What's up? We want to give thanks to all of our amazing sponsors. Piper Diamonds, your hometown jeweler. Bling, bling at piperdiamondco.com. TheCardenasLawGroup.com, your concierge level service, which is for all your personal injury needs. And Compton Broomhead Dental at MunsterDental.com. This is top level luxury dental care. And Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Safety first since 1927. All right, Kelly Cardenas podcast. Let's go. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I have been uh, trying to do anything and everything that I possibly can to uh, to do anything for this community because I think the community is the greatest uh, that, it, that it has ever been. Um, I sometimes tell people about this place and sometimes I don't because I don't want it to get overpopulated. Um, although I want to give back as much as I possibly can to this place. Um, it has just been absolutely tremendous. And I want to thank every single one of you who are on today, uh, being able to see your shiny, happy faces, Carolyn, how are you doing? Um, it's good to see you. And I, I appreciate this. I appreciate the, the digital side, um, as well as the in-person side, I get to see. I got to see Lori right before our uh, salon closed. Um, so I, I just really, really want to uh, express my gratitude in being able to, um, you know, as uh, it was Sly and the Family Stone said, "Thank you uh, for letting me be myself." And uh, you know, Carlsbad has really allowed me to sit into who I am as opposed to what I do. And so that's the first thing that I want us to write down if you're taking notes is um, I really want us in this time to set into who we are as opposed to what we do. Um, for so long, for 28 years, I was a hairdresser. And I don't, I don't say that I'm not a hairdresser or they, you know, people would see me and say, I'm a salon owner or you're a salon owner. For me, what I've really understood in these, in these past couple of years and what Carlsbad has helped me to understand is that I'm a culture builder who happens to own salons. And I want you guys to, you know, as we're, as we're working through this today is for, for you to really look at like who you are inside of what you do, what you do is going to be a byproduct of who you are, not the opposite. And so, um, you know, I think that the reason why I, I reached out to and said that I wanted to speak to you is because I think that there's two hot buttons right now that I think can help every single person um, that will transfer into their business. And those two that, uh, you know, if you, and these are going to be the ones that we're going to cover. So we're going to cover two subjects today. Um, one is going to be innovation and number two is going to be the ability to adapt immediately. We're going to do it in three stages. Those three stages that we're going to be, we're going to explore, we're going to plan, and then we're going to act. And I like to keep things as simple as possible, um, whether that be in relationship, business, um, you know, in all those aspects, I like to keep it as simple as possible because I think a lot of times we go in and we have the tendency to, uh, to complicate. So by raise of hands, how many of you have had to adapt to something in the last four months? Right? I would say I'm raising both of my hands because I've had to adapt. All of us have had to adapt in some way, shape, or form. And what, it, what, what I found is, is our ability to adapt immediately will cause us to either reap a, a, an incredible reward or it could cause us to get sour. How many of you, truthfully, and I'll raise my hand on this one too, how many of us have had to adapt and we've done it reluctantly saying like, I'll adapt, but I'm not going to like it at all? <laughs> 
So I think the attitude that we bring into that adaptation is going to be huge. So the next thing that I want you to write down is cultural efficiency. This is something that I've been working with so many companies, not only in Carlsbad, um, but now with the with the digital side, um, getting to work with companies in, in Michigan. And then I worked with one in Michigan, um, in Connecticut, in Florida. And then I, uh, a half an hour later, I was playing basketball with my son in Carlsbad. I believe that this is the greatest, um, the, one of the greatest things that's happened to us in, in a long time. And the reason why I say that is because it really gives us the ability to assess our cultural efficiency. So as we start off with the first one, as far as innovation, I think the innovation has to come from a strong, strong foundation in who you are. If you understand and know who you are, innovation becomes a part of what it is that you do and you, you, uh, the, the port of entry isn't as high. So when I say the port of entry, how many of you have ever had an idea? And when you had the idea, you thought like, ah, maybe it won't work. And so maybe I won't try that thing out or I'm going to switch gears, but I'm, I'm kind of afraid or I'm, I'm fearful of the end result of how this is going to work out. I find that there's so many times that people have abilities, but they don't push through because they're scared that either people are going to react to them a certain way. Oh, it'll never work. It's never been done that way. All these things. But what I find is, is when we, when we lay into a foundational truth, um, that, that we're perfectly wonderfully made, right? And so if we understand and know that we're perfectly wonderfully made, and this goes back to my parents, my parents, uh, you know, not to say I had a a perfect upbringing, it was very far from it. Uh, But what I found from a very, very early age is my parents would wake me up. And I remember my mom from the time I was probably third grade, um, every morning she would wake me up and she would tell me that I was perfectly wonderfully made, that I was awesome in being myself, that I was awesome in being who I was. And what that caused is she caused me to not have to look to anybody else or compare myself in any other scenario. And so as I started to grow in myself, she told me that I was great in, in who I was, that I was perfectly wonderfully made. So what the reason why I'm telling you this is not to say kumbaya, everybody give yourselves a hug. It's what I want you to realize is that as we grow forward in business or as we grow forward in community, innovation comes from people being strong enough in who they are to step out into a new idea because new ideas won't come from people who aren't foundationally grounded in who they are first. And so this innovation for me was probably one of the biggest things is it, it enabled me to really try something out and really, uh, you know, as my mom would, this the only, uh, uh, my mom never cursed as a kid. I'm sure, I don't know if you guys had this, uh, you know, your parents and my mom was like a saint dropped from heaven and not to say she was perfect. We all have, we're human, but my mom would never say any curse words ever, ever. She thought poop was a bad word. And if I even came close to a bad word, she would snatch me up as soon as possible and tell me you're not going to talk like that. But there was this one thing that helped me in this innovation, which was, and it was just one word, and she would just shrug her shoulders, and she shrugged her shoulders up to her ears, and she dropped them down, and then she shrugged them up, and she put her hands up like this and said, shit. And I said, what do you mean, mom? She said, well, if you're late for work, shit, make it better. If you lose a bunch of money on a business deal. Shit. Maybe I learned a lesson from it and I shouldn't do that again. Maybe if you tried this thing and it didn't work out, shit. What if the whole world shut down and you can't do your business anymore? 
Now I got to figure out a way to be able to make things different. You see, for me, as probably most of you haven't had, when this COVID thing hit, all my businesses, every single one of them, we got multiple businesses throughout the country, every single one of them and every single stream of income, 100% got cut out. 100%. So my speaking career, inside and outside of my industry, completely gone. Um, our salons completely gone. And at first I looked at it and I said, oh man, I was mad because I said, you took away my ability. Like I always would say this, that hairdressers were the safest people in the whole entire world because you could never replace us. This is what I said. Because we touch people, right? We touch like, you know, you can't get a computer to cut your hair, right, Lori? You can't do that. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's coming. But what I realized during this time is I couldn't touch people with my hands, but I could touch them with my heart. So that same touch that I thought that was so important, that one thing was taken away, and I thought that that was the thing that differentiated me from anything else. And what I realized through this is that when I really started to look at it, the touch that I was doing paled in comparison to the touch that I was doing because this was the thing that I was selling the whole time anyway. Whether that was that I was selling haircuts, color, whether I was selling a speaking engagement, whether I was selling books, whether I was selling any of those things, they weren't buying the physical book, they were actually buying me as a person. So now it was time to take the modern day tools and technology, keep my principles, and innovate the way in which I went about it. And what it does is, uh, the thing that I want you to write down is that innovation will give you freedom. Innovation will give you freedom. Now, please don't do like I did for so many years, saying that, you know what, this is a recession-proof, uh, depression-proof, every single thing-proof business because all the rest of the people, because I've, I've been through it. I went through a recession, right? And you know what? My business went up. I've went through, you know, financial crises. My business went up. And I thought at that point, I'm Iron Man. I've got this complete like shell around me. Yeah, you're going to be, a, a, you know, you're going to be hurting. People are going to be hurting. But even in the time of economic, like, I mean, people were crushed in 2007, 2008. Crushed. I opened my business December 23rd, 2006, which is the dumbest time in the history of man to ever open a business. And we grew every year consecutively for 14 years. But what it did is it caused hubris. And that hubris was me saying that because it worked before, it's going to work now. What this did for me is it gave me the opportunity to really, really explore my cultural efficiency. And what it, what it showed me was when I say cultural efficiency, I was able to look at it and say, how can I cut away the fat? How quickly, how quickly are we innovating? Well, I was so proud because I've got a list of them and I'll list some of this stuff off for you guys. Because when I would come into companies or things like that, I would say to them, you know, you need to innovate and here's how you innovate. And I would list off all these things. Uh, you know, a guy named Eli, he created an online store for us. This was probably 10 years ago. Um, webinars that we started doing, like selling webinars. We have a, a, a 60 module, uh, a, 
a course called Blueprint on how, you know, basically a virtual coaching program that we uh, set up about five years ago, Academy Scissors. These were all things that I puffed my chest out and said, we've got t-shirts. We got, we started doing social media at the time. That was Sabrina. Powwows came, uh, you know, powwow sheets though. So what we do is in the morning, we come together as a crew and we say, what do we want to accomplish? So we take 15 minutes out of every single day. And this is what I would stand up in front of companies and I'd be like, you know, if you're not doing this, and honestly, if you're not doing it, it's still a great thing to do. Take the first 15 minutes of your day and say, set it aside and say, either we show up 15 minutes early and we get prepared or we take 15 minutes out of the first hour and we sit down. And the first thing actually I would uh, do is celebrate every single thing that happened the day before like the high points and talk about them specifically with the names, with the names of the people, all those things. Now it gets people jumping. It's like, wow, you know, I want to like, you recognize me, man, I want to be recognized tomorrow. And then we talk about the things that we want to accomplish for the day. And then we talk about the things that were deficient yesterday. Because if we go into the deficiencies, what we found is in the order, if we go in and we celebrate and then we go to deficiencies, everyone's like, hi, and then they're like, man, I, I'm horrible. But when we go into celebrations, then we talk about what we're going to do. We ride off of those celebrations. And then we say, what could we do better? Oh, no big deal. We're already pumped up. So there's a couple of things that we could do better. And these were the powwow sheets. We do this at the beginning and then we do it at the end. This concept, guys is probably one of the most valuable things that you can do in a company, in an organization, and in a culture is to be able to come together in the beginning and say, this is what we want to, this is what we've done, yay. This is what we'd like to do, yay. What did we do wrong? Mm, Okay, cool, shit. And then set a focus for the day and then have a little bit of fun with it. Maybe it's a quote or whatever it is. And then at the end of the day, we do the same thing. What did we accomplish? Did we accomplish our goals? Did we accomplish these things? And now people leave with a cycle that is actually full and done. It's complete because they come in, they have a goal, they leave, and they know that they accomplish a goal. But how many of us in the room right now have got through a day, right? We set out with a list, we did this, and then we got to the end of the day, and then we were like, which one did I do? Or if you looked at the list, you looked at it quick, but you didn't take enough time to really celebrate yourself that you went through those things and you did all those things, right? So that powwow sheet, we did a, a director switch. And if you have multiple locations, I wouldn't suggest this, but it is awesome. If you have multiple locations, what we did is we took our directors and we switched them out of the locations into a new location with no, uh, uh, no preemptive time frame. So it was literally like walk in on Tuesday to your one location that's here and one here and say switch and then see what kind of adaptability that those people have plus the new ideas that come out of it. So these were the, again, the things, the innovations that I was talking about, right? Um, Hiring events, we brought all the people together. I think that, you know, for me, when I go for an interview and there's no one else in the room that's going for the job, I have the tendency to sit back a little bit and be a little bit more puffed up. But imagine if you're applying in a company and there's five, six, I mean, at times we've had 50 people in the room applying for four positions. You get a different answer. You get people sitting up. You get, I mean, it, it, it creates a, a, a really, really cool situation. Plus what it does for us and what it did is it caused the people in the organization to really look at their jobs different. Because if 50 people are looking for my job, 
I better be working hard at my job and making sure that I'm making a difference, innovating with new things, um, you know, coming up with new things as we go. Uh, we talked about apprenticeships and day in the life. So these were innovations. But again, this was, you know, kind of a, a pre-COVID, I would come in and I'd be like, yo, this is what we need to do. But really what I need, what I looked at once this thing hit is I looked at the efficiency and the cultural efficiency in our company and said, like, how often are these innovations happening? And then I started to look at it and I started to say, I mean, sometimes there was six months in between an innovation. So what I would like you to do right now is I'd like you to write down maybe, maybe the top three or four innovations that have happened in your company or in your organization in the last, you know, or write down the top three or four that you can remember. And then I want you to put a date to them. And I can tell you this, in the event that you're, I mean, please don't be like me, just learn from my mistakes, right? So my mistake is that I sat in it and I was like, yeah, I got a whole list. I just, I just did a list of all these innovations. And I was like, yeah, I'm riding off this. And then I started to realize once this thing hit that there had been six months, three months, sometimes eight months in between innovation. And I was opening myself up and exposing myself for something when it hit that I wasn't ready that I wasn't ready to jump into and do exactly what I needed to do at the point that I needed to do it. So that innovation is going to be a, a, a very big um, aspect of what your business is but the, uh, or your relationships, but the, the innovation is going to come from those three stages that I talked about before. Number one is going to be explore, okay? So what I would like you to do is whether, I mean, like I said, whether it be an organization, if it's a nonprofit, um, if it's a a, a you know, a, a business, a corporation, or if we're just looking at our family, the number one thing that we need to do is explore. And this is something that most of us have the tendency to glaze over. I, I do all the time because I could see every single one of you in the room here is tremendous at what you do. Like I've been around you. I've been like physically in your presence. You all inspire me. And so when I, when I look at those things, a lot of times, because we're good at what we do, we have the tendency to look at a challenge and we assess it like that, but we act quicker than we, 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 we act before we actually explore it for long enough to see the gaping holes or the opportunities in the situation. And this is where I, where I failed at. So the first one is explore, really explore and look at it. And I'll, I'll do it in the, um, you know, I, I know none of you guys are hairdressers, but I just, I, I, I relate a lot to that. And some of you probably have had that haircut from your mom at some point or, you know, whoever it was when you were growing up and there was a line in your hair. Maybe you did it to yourself with those rounded scissors. You remember them in school, right? I mean, I could see Anita kind of laughing. Anita, you probably did this at some point. Am I correct? You said, oh, they'll just be short and they'll just be there. Well, what I found was, is when you explore a line horizontally in hair, it comes from a point. So when you lift it up, a horizontal line, if you lift it up vertically this way, there's a point that causes that line every single time. There is no line in hair that's not caused by a point. And that point is caused by connected elevation, meaning that the elevation is exactly the same. So the line would sit like this and it would come to a point. And when that point lays down, it becomes a line horizontally. Well, what I found was if I wanted to take away the line, I had to explore long enough to find out where the point was. Now, another one that I found, and I won't bore you with hair, but 
there, another one was lumps. And every woman, um, Anita, you've had this happen, not from your own fault, but you, uh, Carolyn, I know you've had this happen at times too, but you've got a great hairdresser, Carolyn, because your hair has been beautiful since I've known you. But we've all walked away from the salon. And Carolyn Gross, you've probably had this happen because you've got cool hair too. You've probably had that haircut that you didn't love. And there was a lump in it. There seemed to be this irregularity in it. And you thought, why, why did this happen? Like I paid you, we talked about it, I showed you the picture, but I don't understand why this is happening. And there's a lump. And then the hairdresser says, okay, let me just grab it because they grab right in the lump and they pick it up and they try and do it and it still sticks around. Or some of you guys have had it happen where things just become too short, Right? They just keep cutting and cutting and cutting. And then you get done and you're like, okay, it looks good. Even though you know it doesn't look good at all. You just want out of the chair as soon as possible. But what I found was is that a lump is caused by a ledge. Meaning a ledge, and I'll do a, a, a graphic part of it. A ledge goes like this and a guy sitting next to it that's like that or vice versa. So there's no connection point to the two. There's just long hair and there's short hair right next to each other. When they fall, it becomes a lump. Now, what I found on further uh, exploration was, is that a lump is caused by irregular and inconsistent elevation. Meaning that the person lifted the hair to here, cut it, then lifted it up to here and cut it, but didn't have a fluid motion or a rhythm that went through all of them. So on exploration, I was able to find out, and this is what I call kind of nerding out on your, your, your aspect. And some of you guys, whatever your discipline is, whatever your ladies, whatever your discipline is, you know, you nerd out on these things. I've talked to Lori Booty before, and we've talked about, you know, philanthropy. We've talked about these things. And she, like when I start even just open the can, she's just in, she's talking to me about all the things and the intricacies of it. And she knows it back and forth. Well, a lot of times when we become good at what we do, we stop and we cease ourselves from exploring. And what I want to encourage each and every one of us to do today is I want to explore. I want to explore because exploration changes nothing. Exploration is complementary. It only costs you your time. But on the second one, that I want you to write down, which is plan, okay? Now, we have, when I say a majority of women in the room, this is what my life has been for the last 28 years. So I'm, I'm very comfortable in this environment. I know because I've got to hang out with you guys for the last 28, 30 years, you guys have plans. Ladies, you have plans. Now, some of you have married people that don't have plans, and it grinds you. It's like you just need to, you know, have a plan. And, and then the guy, which is me in my relationship with my wife, she's stick to the plan, and then she married, go with the flow. Right? So we don't lack this. In this room, we're not going to lack a plan. Can you make a plan? Absolutely. But if we lack the exploration to go through and find out what I say, cultural efficiency, it's to be able to figure out and find out the shortest route to it with the highest possible return without losing our principles. Is there a quicker way to get there? Absolutely, 100%. No matter what. There's always a quicker way. 
but as long as we stick to our principles, but we find the quickest way to be able to get to that point and we make it replicatable. So in that plan, it's really looking at, but if, you, if we haven't explored, the plan doesn't really matter. The, if we're, if we're going to go to innovate, but we haven't explored, we can make a plan and we just throw it together. Now, will the plan work? Yes, for that particular result. And sometimes we're not looking far enough ahead into where it is that we want to go. So what I saw was, um, you know, uh, say with, with Zoom, things like that, um, you know, I think that, a lot of times when we did this, I was talking to Kathy about it. Our company has been doing this for 14 years, not Zoom particularly, but digital meetings. So digital meetings every single week. So when we went into what we are calling now distance learning or virtual learning or digital learning, for us, the transition was very, very simple because we had been doing it so long that the muscle was so strong. So for, uh, but what I found is there was a lot of people that jumped out and they went to do it, but they created a plan that was based off of reactionary as opposed to the exploration of looking and saying, what is the best possible for the ultimate end result, the new normal? So I'm dealing with a company right now that's doing a, a, we were hired in to do a live event and in Michigan and they can't do the live event anymore. So what they did is they came together and they were like, okay, cool. We're going to patchwork this thing together. We're going to do a, a virtual, um, you know, uh, conference and we're going to have you in and this is how we're going to do it. And I asked them, let's explore this first. Who are the people that are doing it at a high level? And what we came to is the fact that churches were doing it at a high level because churches had gone online and they had already had an online presence. How are they broadcasting? Have we looked into these things on how to be able to broadcast our virtual or digital meetings and gatherings based off of the churches, right? Because the churches, I mean, if you look at like Daybreak or the Rock San Diego, uh, the Rock Church San Diego.org, they've got phenomenal, I mean, it looks like a, a TV station. And the port of entry for a lot of people in this world now is they've never been on screen before. They've never been in a virtual meeting. So if they come into a virtual meeting and it doesn't, optically engage them, they have the tendency to say, oh, well, that wasn't a real meeting. It was just a virtual one. So what we started to talk to them, I asked them, I said, so what do we ultimately want to do? And they said, well, you know, we want to get this show done. And I said, well, I think that we need to look at not looking at getting this show done, but let's look at the new normal. Could you create a digital, not virtual, and I'll, I'm going to hit that in a second, a digital event every single month and you cut out all the travel because it costs to fly me in. It costs for me to stay in a hotel. It costs for all these things, but now you just erase that and you can exponentially hit a larger audience. But if we're going to do that, you got to make it like the staples button. That was easy. Just one click and I'm done. And to make it look like an experience, a user experience that would be so amazing. So when we're creating a plan, I think that we need to look at ultimately what we would want as opposed to what we want now. And when we're innovating, if you innovate based off of just solving the challenge of today, you're going to get, I, I find myself, I get in trouble because then I have to keep innovating over and over. Whereas I like to think of it in a Star Wars sense, right? In a galaxy far, far away right? How crazy was it when we watched Star Wars, the first one, when Princess Leia was a hologram and she said, I need your help. I need your help. 
And we were like, wow, that's so crazy. Can you believe that? Then we saw the little land speeder and it was up above the ground. And we were like, wow, it's not touching the ground. I can't believe that. Okay. I just saw a kid, two kids in Carlsbad, 12 years old on one wheel hoverboard going down PCH almost 15 miles an hour, looking like they're floating. It's now my reality. So what can we do if we were looking at Star Wars in 79, 78, 77, and we were thinking, wow, that's crazy. What would be crazy in Carlsbad right now? And start to create a plan based off of that craziness as opposed to us saying, I'm Kelly Cardenas. I got, I got, I mean... I got four or five salons at the time when I was beating my chest. We've got income streams coming from this place, from that place, from all of these places, and then boom, all done. Explore, plan, and the third one is act. I'm the worst at this. I act before I created a plan before I explored. Some people act after they made a plan, but they didn't explore it long enough. Some people make a plan, but never act. Some people explore and then plan, and then they just sit on it. But some people explore, plan, and act, but they only explored the option that would get them through and to be able to survive as opposed to be able to thrive. So when we look at our our businesses, when we look at the chamber, right? So when we look at the chamber, which I am so proud to be able to be a part of, and it is, honestly, it's changed my life. It's changed my business. And when I go and speak, I speak about you guys all over the country and all over the world. And what I say is, guys, if you're not a part of your local chamber, like you are missing, like you're, that's the, you're missing the bus. I wish you would. Where were you when I was 19 years old building my business? Where were you? Why didn't you beat me on my head and be like, Kelly, you need to get in the Chamber of Commerce? But how can we now start to look at and say the port of entry for uh, Chamber of Commerce a lot of times, and I could tell you this from a, from a business owner standpoint, a lot of times was on a Friday at 7 o'clock in the morning, and you know what? I'd love to be able to go. I'd love to be around the people, but I've got a meeting at that time. I got to Now we have the opportunity. Now we have a gaping hole that is opposed to saying we're going to do this during COVID for us to be able to look at it. And we literally could double, triple, quadruple, 10 times the effect that Carlsbad Chamber could have because now people can be reached at midnight. Now people that are insomniacs or people that, you know, take an hour lunch could pop on digitally, not virtually, to be able to connect and to be able to have the wealth of knowledge that you guys bring to the table. So when I say, I want to break that down real quick, the virtual and the, um, and the digital, okay? So, so many people are talking about virtual, but what I learned, I just did a training and this virtual word, it turned so many people off because if I said that I had a virtual girlfriend, it means that I have a fake girlfriend. Digital means it's a different delivery system for a personalized service. 
And I find that there's so many people, and I'm, I'm watching this, oh, there's a, uh, are you going to get on that virtual, I'm um, speaking at the uh, the Best You uh, conference with uh, Jack Canfield and Les Brown and um, a couple other uh, people that, uh, you know, it's, and, and it's a digital presence. I believe in some of their wording, they use virtual, and so some people were saying, oh, it's a virtual one. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, so what they're finding is, is, what I, and what I'm training uh, speakers on too, I just, when I spoke to the, uh, with the podcast, um, I have a lot of speakers that companies are coming to them and saying, we're doing a virtual event. And since it's virtual, we're going to need to have you do this for free. And what I'm doing right now is I'm training these people on the innovation, right? Because I go back to the foundation of I'm perfectly wonderfully made, right? So I, that's what my mom told me. I'm perfectly wonderfully made and that I'm great as long as I'm being myself. So it gave me the foundation to innovate and to say, actually, company that wants to hire me in, there's no difference in price. There should be an in price because you're not paying for my hotel. You're not paying for my, uh, for my, uh, my, uh, travel as far as, uh, cabs. You're not taking me out to dinner. There's no experience like that. And you're before you're paying for my time anyway, but what's happening is because people are thinking virtual, meaning that, Oh, I'm just doing this. And they're not training themselves on how to be able to connect through a screen, which is the newest way to connect anyway. And here's a couple of things on the, on the uh, whether it be uh, Zoom or Skype or any of those things. Couple things. One is going to be the size of your head in the screen. And I want you to write these down because these are going to be absolute, these are so, they're, they're such small little details, but they're things that uh, I was just uh, doing a training for salons and I spent almost an hour just on teaching people how to engage through the screen. Number one is going to be the size of your head. Now, the only caveat in this is in the event that you have one of these. So if you have one of these, your head can be smaller. I'm going to show you, I'm going to step away from my microphone, but I'm going to come closer to the screen and I'll show you about the size of your head. And what I would suggest is just put your hand on the screen and measure it out or put a piece of paper up next to it and be able to see for the ultimate in the, in the Zoom. So when, you, when we go through, I'll move mine to this way. So you should be about here. Okay. Unless you have one of these things. I wouldn't, unless you're, I mean, for me, I, I, we have a studio up uh, above of our salon, so we're doing a lot of, um, uh, the, the podcast just came out, things like that. So investing in the equipment, modern days, tool, uh, modern day tools and technology, but not everyone has to do this. You can, you can get a, a microphone from, um, you can do a USB one, USB like the Yeti ones, things like that. But if you're not going to be that close to the screen, make sure you get a mic. The next thing is going to be make sure that your angle in which the person is viewing you is complimentary. And ladies, I've learned this over the years. A picture from above is worth a million words that says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You're beautiful, you're skinny, you're awesome, and you're beautiful, and you're beautiful, and you're beautiful. If you take a picture from below, you'll know why I told you not to take a picture from below. Also, it's, uh, they do this in cinema where when they film from the top, 
when they film from the top and it's coming down, that person seems a little bit more um, uh, relatable. Hitchcock used to film from the bottom up when he uh, filmed a person that he wanted to be intimidating in the presence. And I had a lot of women that were challenged with this because they would sit um, on a couch and then they would uh, have the coffee table and they would tilt their laptop up towards them and they would be looking down into the screen and they would wonder why the engagement on the screen was not as much. The next one is... Uh, and the final one is going to be make eye contact with the, with the camera and not with the person on the screen. So I'll show you. So Susan, I love your glasses, by the way, and you look beautiful today. So Susan, I'm talking to Susan right now. And Susan, I'm looking at you and I think I'm making eye contact with you. But when Lori looks at me, I'm disengaging from the, from the screen and I'm disengaging from everyone else, including Susan. You don't feel like I'm looking at you. Whereas if I look into the screen and I say, Susan, you look absolutely beautiful today. Well, Lori's looking and saying, well, he was, maybe he saw that my name was Susan because I think he's talking to me. So setting ourselves up and exploring and really starting to dig deep into our, the mastery of what it is that we're doing and the nuances of those things, looking at those innovations. So what is the innovation? And this is going to be the question that, that I, wanna, I want you guys, or all you ladies to walk away with today is, what can I innovate? Like, what can I innovate? Not to say an innovation, a lot of times people think, oh, it's brand new. It's, I'm going to go to this. No, no. What can you innovate? What can you take and audit? Okay, some of you, that word reigns true. What can I audit today and look at it and cut away the fat and say, this would be amazing if we only shifted this one little thing? The broader you want to reach, the deeper you need to go into that one thing. So when I say this, the broader I want to reach as far as the world, now I can reach the world digitally I've got to go deep into the couple of things. Eye contact with the computer, head size in the computer, an angle at which the computer is coming to me. And I can set up my brand and I can set up my engagement based off of those things. And the more and more that we do this, the better and better our user experience will be when we have something in this way. So I'm using that as an example. So the, the second one, in this as far as the ability to adapt immediately, okay? So the ability to adapt immediately, how many of you have at least one friend that has adapted faster than you at some point in your life to something? That's the most general, general statement I've ever made in my life, and pretty much all of us could raise our hand on this, yes? Okay, ladies, you're all I know very close to Mother Teresa. I know all of you are just wonderful beings and you want everyone to succeed. How many of you have ever, have ever saw someone adapt quicker than you and then in your mind you thought, I can't even believe it. Look at them. Look at them. Okay? TikTok. TikTok. I told my company in January, I said, guys, TikTok, 
if you don't get on TikTok, you're going to lose an audience. And they were like, TikTok, what are you talking about? And my company is young, like young. Anywhere from 19 to 35. And 35, people are like, I'm going out to pasture at 35. I'm like, you ain't even started. But 19 to 35, I said TikTok, a, new, uh, a newer social media platform that was coming at the time. And everyone said, oh my gosh, that is for 12-year-olds. You know what one of the hottest things in society is right now and one of the easiest ways to be able to get attention and, the, and it's not just 12-year-olds? TikTok. But the ability to adapt immediately, and it was just starting. Because when I, when I said this in January, I actually had in one of our meetings, I said, I want you to stop right now. We're going to take three minutes. We're doing a, doing a TikTok break. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, we're going to do a TikTok break. And they said, well, what do we do? And I said, I don't know. I don't even know how to do it. But we're going to film, and I'm just going to yell out TikTok the whole time while we're doing it. TikTok, TikTok, we're doing a TikTok. Now, I'm not telling every single one of you. Now, Carolyn, if you got on TikTok, I would be so happy. I would love to see Carolyn doing one of them dances of the TikTok part of it. But what I'm saying is, is modern day tools and technology. There was a day four months ago when I was telling people, hey, guys, you need to have a meeting digitally every single week, even though you got 70 locations all over the country, you can still come together digitally. And they all were saying, we don't need that. People won't engage on that. It won't work, all these things. But now, guys, we're, we're, we're looking at a completely different scenario and situation. But I think it's right in line with the ability to adapt, right? Um, my, with my computer, uh, my computer started spinning. Uh, I don't know why I got dropped out. But be, having the availability to, um, you know, hop on to another device. So I, had, I, I hopped onto my phone. Now my phone's audio is coming out of my phone as opposed to my headphones. Does that make sense? So it's one of those things where this is exactly, and I love this, the way that it's working is because it literally, our reaction time determines our reward. And that's the, uh, the thing that I want you to write down is that our re reaction time will determine our reward. Now, I could have just said, hey, this thing won't work, or I tried it two times and it won't work, I apologize. But the opportunity to be in, you, in all of you ladies' presence and have a, a situation where you guys have impacted my life in such a positive way, and so I knew that there was something that I had to do or some way to be able to get back to you as soon as possible. Um, so, and then the last one that I want you to write down is, uh, is e uh, again, ego. And I just want to write that huge, right? As, because when we have the ability to adapt immediately, our ego gets really smashed. And when I was talking about TikTok, um, I'm not saying that everyone get on TikTok, although what I said earlier, Carolyn, it would be awesome if you did and I would watch it all the time and I think it would be so hilarious. What it would do is it, it would tap into an audience, a latent audience that a lot of times we wouldn't get because a lot of times what we do, and I did this and I've done this in business at times and I failed at it so bad, is that I thought that my audience was my audience and I thought that I had their attention and what I'm beginning to understand and know is that attention is currency. People's attention is currency. And as they go along, it's got to be simple. 
we've got to constantly cut away the fat and we've got to constantly innovate. But when we innovate and come up with ideas, it's the ability to adapt immediately that will take us to the next level.